Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. It is college football week number nine, and we figured we'd bounce back on for Halloween weekend and give you a little double dip after we ran through some of our NFL picks on Wednesday evening into Thursday morning and dropped that podcast on Thursday. Doing the same thing now as we are early on a Thursday morning as we record, or excuse me, early on a Friday morning as we record, <laughs> and you uh, tune in uh, hopefully throughout your Friday and launch yourselves into the weekend with some hopefully winners on the college gridiron and when we're talking college football or college basketball that means we got to bring on our guy bill christie you know him as lucha larry on gambling twitter at larry's lots too bill good to have you back again how you doing doing well good to be back man it's been a while yeah it has and i'm sure you're uh you know as a a, a husband with kids you're probably <laughs> uh gonna be pretty i don't know how much college football you'll get to watch uh, but maybe more so NFL. I'm not sure how much you'll get to watch on Sunday. You got a lot of Halloween plans, I imagine. Yeah, well, my guys are still pretty young, so they won't last too, too long on the actual <laughs> trick-or-treating. Okay. I want to get down to the actual eating of the candy. So once we get that lined up and then get them occupied with some candy, and I'll get myself occupied with some uh, NFL football. Well, hey, worst comes to worst, you missed the first half of Eagles-Lions. I don't think think you're losing any sleep over that right no absolutely not <laughs> so before we get into our picks and we're gonna just uh obviously with the college rotation it's much bigger so we're just gonna kind of go through our plays for the weekend uh, i do want to just ask you your thoughts as we are uh, past the halfway point of the college football season now is in about a month we'll be getting ready for conference championship saturday that first saturday in december so I think, and I want to get your thoughts, I think the big story right now in college football is just the parity and the uh, kind of wide open landscape that we have across the country. I mean, take nothing away from Georgia. The Bulldogs are a well-worthy number one team in the land, and they have that greatest tailgate party in the world game against Florida this weekend. But other than that, 
I mean, you look at the college football landscape and, yeah, you see some familiar names at the top of the pole with Alabama and Ohio State. But those teams far from certain to end up in the college football playoff. And, you know, you look at Cincinnati. I think if the Bearcats will get into it, you have a pick in their game against Tulane. I think if the Bearcats just run the table now that there's been enough shakeup and they're not just hovering at, you know, number four, number five, number six. Like, I think if they just run the table, they will make the playoff. Um, but it, it, we haven't said that about a group of five team in the college football playoff era this early in the season where or really ever where we can just say, well, they, if they just run the table, they will make it. And we're saying that I think you can say that about Cincinnati right now. Uh, you know, obviously, Clemson has been a major disappointment. We'll get to them as uh, I have a pick in their game against Florida State. Uh, and so it just feels like a college football landscape that Oklahoma is another team that is at the top of the pole again. And we're kind of used to seeing them in the top five, top six. But the Sooners have had a lot of turmoil in the process with the quarterback change from Caleb Williams to Spencer Rattler. What do you make of what seems to be a far more wide open college football landscape? Yeah, it's, it's been interesting this season. And, and, you know, if I'm going to be honest in my own opinion here, I enjoy it because as a college football fan, I'm tired of seeing, you know, Alabama, 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 and then it became Clemson, Clemson, Clemson. So to see this kind of parody where, you know, Georgia kind of has been the SEC, you know, redheaded stepchild that really nobody wanted to give a ton of credit to. And, and, and you know, kind of everybody looked at Alabama as being their superior all the time. And obviously, we're only halfway through the season, so who knows what's going to happen uh, come playoff time. But, I mean, Georgia, like you said, they look like a well-oiled machine. Defensively, they're stout. Offensively, they get the job done. Um, you know, So they have obviously earned the right to be ranked number one in the country right now. And I don't foresee them um, having any real big hiccups along the way. They don't play another ranked team in the regular season. Like you mentioned, they play Florida um, at the biggest cocktail party this weekend. And then they got Missouri, Tennessee, Charleston, Southern, Georgia Tech. So they, they have a very good chance of remaining undefeated heading into the SEC championship game. Um, you mentioned Cincinnati. I agree with you 100%. If they are able to run the table, they will be in. I don't think no matter what happens among these three, you know, number three to number six teams in the country, you know, d depending on what their matchups are. I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think anybody's going to be able to jump them. And if one team does jump them, I don't see more than that happening. So Cincinnati should be a lock as long as they get their job done with the rest of their schedule. Uh, but it's been some really interesting storylines that, you know, you mentioned Oklahoma, right? And and the the uh, upheaval with the quarterback position. And, and, you know, you don't know who's going to be starting. You had Spencer Rattler, who was the number one uh Front runner for the Heisman Trophy, who eventually has gotten benched. It's it's pretty wild to see. Um, but looking at yeah, their schedule, in a way, that's like the turning point for their season. That Texas yeah. game when they brought in Caleb Williams. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's odd because I was just to say I'm looking at their schedule, and if there was a time for this to happen for them, that was the perfect time for it to happen. Right? Like you're on the road, you're going against one of the biggest rivals within the uh, within the conference. You're able to get the job done, get the W, and now they're sort of lined up where they get at Baylor, home against the Cyclones of Iowa State, and then they finish off at Oklahoma State. So they have three really tough games at the end of the season here, but they've been able to figure it out as they've gone. Whereas, you know, if they were like kind of rolling and, and Rattler really didn't run into any issues until, say, this upcoming week against Texas Tech or against Baylor – you know, to try and juggle these two quarterbacks towards the end of the season with some big time names going against them in the conference, they could be in a ton of trouble. So I think in, in a way it's sort of been a blessing in disguise for them to have those early troubles and figure it out now. But, you know, to to make a long story short here, I, I absolutely love all the parody that we've been seeing. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and one last point I want to make, just kind of looking at the landscape nationwide here. Uh, it certainly looks like Oklahoma is the class of the Big 12. Georgia is the class of the SEC. And as we mentioned, Cincinnati controls its destiny, we both believe. Mm -hmm. 
What do you make of how the Big Ten will shake out? Because I do believe that a one-loss Big Ten champion finds its way into the picture here. Uh, and I think it, it, the conversation, uh, I first just want to touch on that it looks like another year where the Pac-12 will not factor into the playoff. Oregon had that big win at the horseshoe, but followed it up uh, not too long after with a loss against Stanford. So, And, and then you look at Ohio State, I have a pick in that game uh, with uh, Ohio State and Penn State, uh, and it's the Buckeyes that have since that Oregon loss have really recovered in a big way. But we have Michigan and Michigan State squaring off on Saturday in East Lansing. You know, you have Iowa on the west side that still only has one loss. The Big Ten looks very interesting, and you have a possibility here to still have the conference maybe left out, but you could also make a case for three or four teams out of the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility, but when I look at the Big Ten, and it's kind of been the same story over the past few years, I just don't, I never feel comfortable with their top two teams. You know, like, I really didn't. I I always feel every one of them, except for Ohio State, when they're, you know, running the table, they've been doing. Right, so you're talking about Ohio State and Iowa? Or Michigan? The, I mean, I'm talking about all the top four, I would say, really. Like, there's nobody there's nobody in the top cusp of the Big Ten that I look at and say, wow, like, that that's a team I can definitely see winning a national title and making a push. I just feel like I just constantly wait for the other shoe to drop with every one of these top Big Ten teams. Like, they all seem phony to me. Um, they never have, like, good wins, solid wins. It's like – it's always like they're beating each other up and playing ugly football – um, you know, and you see weird scores of this finals, like 13 to 16. You're like, you, know, it's, you don't even want to watch it because it's so boring. Um, but that being said, I agree with you. Like it's, there's, there are paths for, uh, the big 10 to, to sneak a couple teams into this playoff. And if they do, you know, I, I feel bad for some of the fans and the, the uh, networks that are going to have a little bit lower ratings potentially because it's going to be boring games. But again, overall, to have this parity and to have the discussions of all these different teams having the possibility of making the playoff this year it's is super exciting to me. Absolutely. Definitely is. So let's get into our plays now as we'll kind of just uh, pick pick a few off here and there that we like in the rotation for the weekend. I'm actually going to start with a Friday play, and I'm going to look at the American Athletic Conference game between the Navy Midshipmen and the Tulsa Golden Hurricane where we see Navy – Going to Oklahoma, catching 11 points and a low total in this game, given the high spread, as we're seeing Navy catching 11, total of 46 and a half. And I think here I'm going to play Navy plus the 11. I watched uh, almost the whole game, Navy and Cincinnati last weekend. I was on Navy catching the four touchdowns and cashed easily. And Navy obviously gave itself a big chance to win that game outright. And I just thought that I saw everything you would want to see from a service academy, you know, buttoned up, like still playing hard. And, you know, they didn't look like a one in six straight up team that the mids are. And they are four and three against the spread. So, uh, you know, for as bad as it's been this year for them in Annapolis, uh, they've still been making the gamblers money every now and again. And so I, I look at this game and think, well, Navy's defense did a really nice job in containing Desmond Ritter and uh, the Ford running back. I'm drawing a blank on his first name for Cincinnati. Uh, they did a good job of limiting those big plays and keeping the Cincinnati offense at bay. And so I look at this game and almost think, well, the total is almost tipping me off thinking that, well, the, they're not expecting many points here in this game. And Navy's defense just played pretty well against Tulsa, or excuse me, against Cincinnati. So I'm kind of feeling a similar performance from the mids on defense, which would naturally think getting the 11 is going to be worth taking. And then you look at Tulsa's offense. Yeah, they've had some nice games recently against Memphis and South Florida. 
uh, but pretty anemic at other times in the season earlier in the year uh, against Houston only scored 10 UC Davis in their season opener actually lost the game 1917. So it's not a Tulsa offense that I trust to get a lot of margin. And it's a Navy team that I think is uh, coming in with some confidence off of its uh, highly competitive loss against Cincinnati last week. I like Navy plus the 11. Bill, did you catch any of Navy in Cincinnati in the early window? There were some scares there in the early window last Saturday with Navy, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma. Yeah, I was was kicking myself for not jumping on Navy. I I kept looking at that game throughout the week and thinking about playing Navy, thinking about playing Navy, and I just couldn't pull the trigger. And then when I kept seeing different highlights and checking on the score, I kicked myself a little bit more each time to see them hanging around. And Look, I don't hate this play at all for you. Um, just looking at the schedule here, I, I didn't realize Tulsa is in a bit of a look-ahead spot here, too, because they get that number two rank Cincinnati uh, following this game. So, you know, it, it's 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 got to be tough for a team who's preparing not only for a big opponent, but you're talking about the number two team in the country right now. But at the same time, they also have to prepare for the Navy's uh, triple option, which is not an easy uh, offense to prepare against. So you put those two elements together, and the fact that you can catch 11 points with Navy right now, to me it seems like it makes a lot of sense, which obviously tends to worry me a little bit, right? Like when, when things make too much sense, it seems too easy. too easy. right? Yeah, but um, yeah, all signs point to Navy being the play in that one, and I'm not going to be on it, but it, your logic definitely makes sense with that one. Let's go to the Big 12 for your first play as it's West Virginia welcoming in Iowa State. West Virginia, a seven-point home dog, total of 47.5. You're going to the well with West Virginia. Obviously, that was a highly emotional game last week for Iowa State mm-hmm. against the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, you talked about it in the beginning there. Oklahoma State has uh, been pretty good themselves. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder if that maybe factors in a little bit for you here with uh, Iowa State now, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a, a little flat potentially having to go to Morgantown coming off of that win against number eight, Oklahoma State. Uh, but it's your pick. So uh, take me through it a little bit on the Mountaineers plus seven. No, you were hitting the nail on the head with uh, with my summary here. This has let down written all over it. Iowa State picking up that huge win against Oklahoma State last week. They expended all their energy. They've been partying all week, enjoying it. And now they have to head out to West Virginia, who just straight up in their last eight games, West Virginia 7-1, they're also 2-0 against the spread versus ranked opponents, which Iowa State is now back in the top 25 after that major win last week. And I just see this being let down city. West Virginia, 2-0 after a win, which they picked up last week. Iowa State on the other side are only 1-3 against the spread after a win. Again, let down city here. West Virginia, plus 7, and I will 100% be sprinkling on this money line because I really do feel – like they're going to come out Iowa State and be hung over from that that big win and and West Virginia is going to take advantage of it in this yeah. one. Yeah, maybe literally. But exactly. um, you know, I, I I agree with your your angle here because I, I one thing that I think is very true in handicapping college football and college basketball, I think these kind of intangible letdown you know, motivational things are far more relevant in college handicaps than professional handicaps, because at the end of the day, you're talking about 85% of the roster that is not going to go pro 85% of the roster that, you know, is maybe more susceptible for that reason to just basking in the light of a win like Iowa state had last week against Oklahoma state. And so, you know, I know Matt Campbell's a guy that gets some NFL buzz and, you know, you would think if he's this big time coach, he'll have his team ready to play. But I I do think that uh, your your angle there, I just think applies more to the college handicapping process at large because you're still talking about 18 to 22 year old kids. And I, I think that those are the kids that are far more likely to lose focus 
the week after a big win than, uh, you know, professionals that are getting paid millions to millions of dollars to do it. So uh, I would definitely look at the Mountaineers as well being aside in that one. I want to go to the Big Ten for my next play, uh, and I want to go to Madison for a big game in the Big Ten West where the Wisconsin Badgers are a three-point home favorite against Iowa. Uh, total of, or excuse me, three and a half, total of 36. That's when you know it's a Big Ten game, when you see a total mm-hmm. that low. But um, I, I just, just general principle game here. I mean, you got to play. I have to play Wisconsin just from the fact that like, I, I mean, I do like the Badgers' side. I played them last week as a road favorite against Purdue. And this is just one of those spots where I'd, I'd be more mad about not watch, not playing the game and watching Wisconsin cover than I will be if I just lose the bet on Wisconsin. Because but that means you have to watch the game. <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to watch every game you bet on. It might be ugly, but... I have to take the unranked team favored over the ranked team, which is the spot Wisconsin was in last week. I loved it for Wisconsin last week, going to West Lafayette to play Purdue. Purdue coming off of that Iowa win two weeks ago, and Wisconsin got me to the window. And I think uh, here it's it's even more funkier, where Iowa, you know, is as I said that top 10 team on the big 10 West side that, uh, you know, probably isn't being looked at as much having lost the game to Purdue, but still a one loss team in the big 10 coming out of a buy. And here they are as a three and a half point road underdog against an unranked team. Like it just certainly is a little fishy, and, uh, you know, again, we talk often about unranked favorites over ranked teams. And let's also not forget, by the way, that the Big Ten West, as much as we and we highlighted it in the beginning of our podcast here, as much as we want to talk about the Big Ten East with the two Michigan schools and Ohio State and maybe Penn State can rally the troops and get back in it, highly unlikely. But um, the Big Ten West is a three team race. And uh, that's a little or even four team if you want to still include Purdue. But you have Minnesota, Iowa and Wisconsin and Wisconsin comes in with two conference losses against Penn State and against Michigan. So both those schools are on the other side of the conference. So somebody here, whether it's Minnesota, Iowa or Wisconsin, because uh, I don't think Purdue is going to be able to make anything out of this season. I'll get to them in a little bit, Purdue with Nebraska game. But Minnesota, Iowa, or Wisconsin is going to be in the Big Ten championship game. And you Wisconsin jumps Iowa in the Big Ten standings if Wisconsin wins this game, which is a little weird to think because Wisconsin's the unranked team and Iowa's the team in the top ten. But if the Badgers are to win here, then they have their annual rivalry game with Minnesota at the right after Thanksgiving, which could be first spot in the Big Ten championship. So, you know, you don't like as you said, like, yeah, you have to watch the game. Like nobody had ever associates Wisconsin with the most aesthetically pleasing version of football or basketball, for that matter. But <laughs> but here they are in a spot having won three in a row after, you know, wasn't that long ago where. They were they couldn't get a first down against Notre Dame. And now they're four and three. As I said, two and two in the conference. Iowa's three and one. A win for Wisconsin moves the Badgers ahead of the Hawkeyes in the Big Ten West standings and keeps the momentum moving towards that big game with Minnesota at the end of the year. I think that there's a lot of belief right now with the Wisconsin locker room having won the three games in a row. And I think they're actually kind of flying under the radar. So I got to play him here. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you want to chime in with any thoughts on this game or, or the other half of the Big Ten that, like I said, doesn't really get the same hoopla and uh, hype that the East does, obviously. Yeah, the only thing that I want to say is that Iowa, when I said that I always feel like the top couple schools in the Big Ten over the past couple of years are always frauds, Iowa, were they ranked second when they faced Penn State? 
Oh, when they faced Purdue, yeah. And like, when they faced Penn State, I believe they were third or fourth and yeah. then moved up to second because I think that was the weekend Alabama lost. Yes, so gross. Like, so gross. Iowa, I, I, I honestly believe, and I, and I said this to a couple people when that game was about to happen, the Penn State game. At the end of the season, this Iowa team will have a better chance of being unranked than being ranked in the top ten. They're not that good. They should have lost to Penn State. <laughs> They would have lost to Penn State if Clifford hadn't gotten hurt. They're, they're, it's just – I want to get in a whole spiel. I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but preseason rankings drive me out of my mind because the weight that they carry is way too much. And and this is case in point here with what happened with Iowa. You know, like they, they should never have been ranked that high. They didn't beat anybody really. And now they're in a spot where – you know, you said you're going to be on Wisconsin. If Wisconsin covers a spread, they're going to do it because they're going to win the game outright. The, the points aren't going to end up mattering in this game. Um, I like the side that you're on. I was a bunch of frauds. Let's move on before I get sick thinking about more Big Ten football. <laughs> well, uh, I, like I said, I'm going to go back to the Big Ten a little later on. But you're going to the American Conference as we're uh, dipping back in to the AAC after I gave out Navy a few minutes ago. Uh, I'm interested into why you like Tulane catching almost four touchdowns at home against Cincinnati. Ah, well, I can't reveal my big secret of why I like this game. <laughs> but Tulane, quietly, over the past couple of years, are 12-3 and three against the spread in the last 15 home games. Now, Tulane, the Green Wave, we all know they're known for what, Greg? They're known for being 20-plus point underdogs majority of the time when they're at home, right? So I, I was about to say, position. known for, uh, I'm going to give you a notable alum, Matt Forte. You know he went there? Oh, I did not know he went there. That's a great name. Off the top of your head, can you name a single two-lane football alum that made played in the NFL? Matt Forte. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 did you? I could not name you one. Um so, again, this is a position that I think that they're comfortable in. Cincinnati, off that scare with Navy. Obviously, people are going to be saying, well, they they got through that scare. Now they're going to go out and they're going to thump Tulane. I just don't – I don't agree with that logic. Um, and then another piece of this is – and we mentioned, I mentioned the home games, right? According to TeamRankings.com, they have these power ratings that they put out. On home advantage, Cincinnati is number 27 in the country in terms of home advantage. Again, I know they're not – at home, they're on the road here. But they're a pretty good team, right? Number two team in the country. So number 27 in the country for home advantage has got to be worth something. Tulane is just a step behind them in these rankings. They're 29th in the country in power ratings according for home advantage. So the fact that they're at home in a position they're comfortable in, I like them in this spot. Cincinnati has a ton of pressure on them. Every single game from here on out, just like we said, if they can run the table, they control their own destiny, and they're not going to be playing these powerhouse teams. So they're going to be so tight because they have everything to lose, right? This Tulane team has nothing to lose. They're going in there. If they get blown out by 40, it doesn't mean anything. So I think Tulane's going to treat this like their national championship. Cincinnati, they're beaten up from from defending that Navy triple option. Like we said, how tough it is to – to scheme for and almost get knocked off by them. I think Cincinnati still wins the game, obviously, but I really don't see them winning by more than three touchdowns in this spot. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I I can't – I'm not going to play this game, but I think in some aspects you're you're maybe a little early on the – all the pressure is on Cincinnati. And what I mean by that is – I think that we're not yet at the point where it's just winning in, you know, I, for Cincinnati. They, they, there's enough games still on the table where the mindset of the Bearcats, I mean, maybe they already think in playoff and they know their schedule and they're already. They have to. I, I get that. But what I'm saying is I think this angle is stronger come late November or maybe the American Conference Championship game where you can literally taste the college football playoff if you're Cincinnati. So I, I I just think at this point, it's a little early for 
that angle to come into play, in my opinion. Um, and you're on one hand, you could certainly say that it's a season long thing and that the pressure is going to continue to mount. But I, I think as that pressure mounts, I'd rather wait until we get to when Cincinnati's 10 and 0, 11 and 0. And that's when I, I think if they do get to that point, uh, that's when I really think they're a good fade come Thanksgiving or conference championship Saturday. So I wish you the best of luck. Uh, again, I'm not playing Cincinnati, and I like what you're saying with Tulane at home. I think there could be something to that with these big underdogs against Cincinnati in the American Conference. We saw it with Navy last week. Um, so, again, road favorites, uh, road favorites that are over a three touchdown favorite, thirty percent this year. Wow. Yeah, I'll take my 70% and a team that's comfortable in this spot. But, no, I agree with what you're saying as well. They're going to be a better fade later on in the season. But I do still feel like they they already see the light at the end of the tunnel with, with the way their schedule lines up here. And all the talk, all the talk has been about Cincinnati making the playoff, being right. that out-of-five yeah. team, yeah. I want to go to the ACC for a play in the Clemson-Florida State game as uh, this game is taking place – in Death Valley, Death Valley, Clemson land nine, total of 47. Gosh, yeah, Clemson this year. I mean, talked about it a little bit in the open. They've been one of the biggest disappointments in the country. So I think right there, seeing them lay nine points is pretty crazy. I mean, they were a dog last week against Pitt, lost that game. Uh, coming back home, laying nine. I, I, that in and of itself is enough for me to raise my eyebrows. Uh, and then, I, you know, I, I did have to dig in a little more with Florida State because the Knowles got off to a terrible start. I mean, they mm-hmm. lost their first four games and they only covered one of those four in their opener against Notre Dame, which you know, they lost in overtime. And, they, you know, it'd be interesting to see how much different the season would have turned out for Florida State had the Knowles been able to pull that outright upset. They were seven point dog in that game, uh, lost by a field goal in overtime. Uh, but you look at what the Knowles have done recently, and it looks like they're turning this thing around. And Mike Norvell is, I think, in his second season there, second or third season, I think second season with the Knowles. And they've won their last three games. They've covered their last two games. And all, now they're at three and four, and uh, there's still a chance to get bowl eligible. And uh, I, know I feel like for a Florida State, we shouldn't be setting the bar that low. But that's where this program's at right now. And I do think that they're coming into this game with some confidence. And the early season struggles are behind them. 59-3 to last week, albeit against UMass. They, you know, how about this? Before their bye week at the beginning of October, double-digit win at North Carolina in Chapel Hill against the Tar Heels as an 18-point road dog. So I kind of like where Florida State's trending. And I don't like where Clemson's training. As I said, I don't think Clemson should be laying nine points in, the, in a conference game as bad as the ACC is. So I am going to take Florida State. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the Knowles here, again, coming in, playing a lot better, can, can keep this game competitive. So uh, anything that you have here on just uh, this game or Florida or Clemson's just overall struggles? Gosh, that quarterback – uh, Yuan Gilale, uh, the, the guy that came took over for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, he DJ. played that Notre Dame game last year when Lawrence had COVID, and everybody thought he was going to be just as good as Lawrence, but gosh, not quite, not so fast there. Yeah, not quite uh, at all. They, they looked horrendous. They have been the biggest disappointment. And again, that goes back to the whole uh, discussion of preseason rankings. It's, it's such a joke. Like this Clemson team and, yeah, and the, the quarterback. The big- the first week of season was Clemson against Georgia. Like, and I believe Georgia was a dog in that game. Like, yes, Georgia's yes, a exactly. four touchdown favorite against Clemson right now. Yeah, it's crazy, absolutely crazy. But this, yeah, this Clemson team, or what they they beat Boston College. Wait, I can go back even further. Oh my God, all of it. They beat Georgia Tech by six. They lose to NC State by six. They beat. Boston College by six. They beat Syracuse by three, and they just lost by ten to Pitt. Wait, their offense is terrible. Where's this margin coming from? That's what worries me. 
That's that's the line's nine. Yeah, I hear you. It's it's like what I can't get there with with it. It doesn't, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to me. And and for the reasons you kept stating with Florida State, how they've been looking really really good. And I just jumped on Action Network real quick just to take a look at some of the bet percentages. And the public is all over the Knowles here. Seventy one percent of the tickets, eighty five percent of the money on there. So that 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 makes me really really hesitate with it. I'm not. I'm definitely not going to be playing this game at all. Um, but yeah, I wish you luck. It's just that, that, that does concern me with the, with the number being that high, uh, and the public still being on the Knowles. But again, hopefully it's just a, uh, it's just a number and you're going to have no problem covering that one. Yeah. And I actually do want to, uh, the, I think there's an interesting high number in one of my other plays that I'll get to in a minute. Not this one, though, as I want to go to the Conference of Champions, if we can say that in football. And it's the Utah Utes uh, hosting the UCLA Bruins. Utah, six and a half point home favorite, total of 60 and a half. I'm going to be on Utah here. I watched, I think, uh, you know, in a not very good slate last week. Uh, one of the more entertaining games ended up being UCLA hosting Oregon. And uh, UCLA had Dorian Thompson Robinson have to end the, the quarterback, have to exit the game. And, you know, they bring in the I think it was a true freshman quarterback at the end there and uh, he throws a pick late and Oregon survives at the Rose Bowl. And I, as I was watching that, I thought, wow, this is a really gutsy effort from UCLA. And that game was around the line was around pick them. I believe UCLA may have actually gone off as a one point favorite, but mm-hmm. um you know, it was one of those games that went right down to the wire. And, you know, even with the quarterback change for UCLA, uh, the Bruins almost pulled it out. And at the end of it, I just felt like as I was watching it, I felt like, oh, you know, uh, that could be a real uh, like I don't want to say dream crusher because it wasn't like the Bruins had hopes of getting to a national championship or anything. But mm-hmm. it feels like the air could get sucked out of the Bruin balloon pretty fast after that game. And, you know, early in the season, there was a lot of buzz with Chip Kelly and he got the big win against LSU in the non-conference. But that obviously doesn't look as good as the season's gone on and LSU has faded and faded away. So, you know, I don't think UCLA's bad, but I just think after last week that they're uh, trending in the wrong direction. And I don't know about it looks like Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to play, but not sure where he's at health wise. Then you look at Utah and, and the Utes are even after a loss last week against uh, Oregon State, uh, the Utes are very much in the thick of things in the Pac-12 uh, for the conference uh, championship appearance. They're just one game behind Arizona State in the Pac-12 South uh, for the Pac-12 South crown and the chance to play in the Pac-12 championship. So I, I think it's a get-right opportunity for Utah uh, they Oregon State's actually, believe it or not, pretty good this year, and it could end up being a, a pretty good uh, Civil War game there between Oregon State and Oregon later on in in the uh, in November. But uh, I, I like the Utes to bounce back. As I said, I, I think uh, Utah kind of uh, unleashes the dogs here after a not very good game last week against Oregon State as a short road favorite, losing outright in Corvallis. And UCLA, I'm just not sure where they're at after what looked like a pretty emotional loss against Oregon. So I like the Utes here. Uh, But again, Bill, as I said in the open, it looks like another year where the Pac-12 is going to miss out on the playoff. And, uh, you know, really, that speaks more to Oregon after the Ducks had that very impressive win in Columbus early in the year. Yeah, I'm not on this one either. But uh, if I had to make a lean on this, I'd be leaning on your side there with the Utes, given the points. Let's keep things moving and go to uh, Lexington. I think this was game plays. Maybe it's in Starkville. Let me double check as it's the Kentucky Wildcats taking on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And it is in Starkville for six o'clock Eastern kickoff between UK and Mississippi State. Uh, this is your play. It looks like it's about Pickham, Kentucky. I think you may have got a plus one, but you're on the Wildcats side here. Total of 47 in this one. Uh, tell us why you like Kentucky. Yeah, uh, I'm on Kentucky in this one. I got it a plus one, but Kentucky 2-0 on the road this season. Mississippi State 1-3 at home against the spread. 
Um, so obviously Kentucky comfortable playing on the road there. Mississippi State seems to fold a bit under the home pressure. Uh, Kentucky eight and one straight up over the last nine games. Um, and there's really not much left on Kentucky's schedule in terms of quality win opportunities. They're still number 12, but you know after a loss to Georgia last week, they're going to want to bounce back and you know they're going to want to give the pollsters and and all the folks, the talking heads, um, something to talk about in in light of the loss to Georgia, which, I mean, obviously Georgia number one team in the country, we keep talking about them. Um, it's definitely not a bad loss, but it's still a loss. So they're going to want to bounce back in this one. I think they will. I honestly don't think it's going to be close. I like Kentucky big in this one. I think they're going to give Coach, Lisa, Lee, excuse me, Coach Leach a, uh, a nice bag of candy corn to take home with them to celebrate the Halloween holiday following that big loss coming up to Kentucky on Saturday. Yeah, not much for me on this one, but the uh, Wildcats, was that last week they uh, went down to Athens and uh, managed to cover the spread there against Georgia, or was that two weeks ago? That was uh, it was our last game. It was the 16th. It was two weeks ago. I'm sorry, yeah. They were off last week. Okay, so not. Yeah, okay, so like situationally, I kind of like the setup then. Having competed, I think, pretty well, as well as you could have hoped maybe against Georgia, and, uh, you know, coming into the bye and now coming out of it with obviously a very winnable game against Mississippi State, I would uh, probably lean with that side here. Uh, but again, not a ton for me on the Kentucky side in that game. I want to go back to the Big Ten. I have a couple more Big Ten plays, actually. I'm going to start in Lincoln, Nebraska, where the Nebraska Cornhuskers are laying seven and a half against the Purdue Boilermakers in a game that's scheduled to kick in the late afternoon window. Uh, and I'm going to lay it with Nebraska. And, and Bill, this is one thing that, like, you talked about that Clemson number kind of being like, mm-hmm. God, what the hell? Like, Clemson, yep. like, they can't really even score, and then they're laying nine. And that's kind of what I what stood out to me here, was that you have a Nebraska team that's three and five. And, and, and listen – I think Nebraska's record is a little misleading because they've been in some competitive games against Michigan State and against Michigan, and mm-hmm. just it just didn't go their way. But and even Oklahoma, even correct, right? Yeah, covered in Norman in that game as well. So here's Nebraska; they're last in the Big Ten West, and they're laying seven and a half at home against Purdue. I think this is the second week in a row too where the odds makers are just saying they don't believe in Purdue for one second because. I talked earlier in the pod about how Purdue we met when we were talking about Wisconsin, Purdue went to Wisconsin or hosted Wisconsin, excuse me, last week off that big win against Iowa and Purdue's the ranked team. And Wisconsin's not in the top 25 at that juncture. Badgers still aren't. And Purdue's the home dog of three, three and a half points in that game. And now, you know, they lose okay you know wisconsin's at least in purdue's neighborhood in the big 10 right now now they're going to nebraska a team that they're ahead of in the big 10 standings and they're a touchdown seven and a half point dog you know so the betting markets just don't like purdue and as i said i think nebraska is definitely better than its record indicates with a lot of those close losses that they've had and also this is year four for Scott Frost, and he has at Nebraska, at his alma mater, and he has yet to even get to a bowl game there. So I think that, like, as much as you could argue, and I before we jumped on, I actually told you I might end up going to Nebraska and Ohio State next weekend. But so as much as you want to maybe look at this and say look ahead spot. Nebraska can't afford that. Like Scott Frost needs to get at least get to a bowl game by his fourth season there. Mm -hmm. And in order to even do that, he's going to have to beat one of Ohio state or Iowa. And that's provided he wins this game and beats Wisconsin. So it's a tricky road to hoe here for the Huskers just to get to a bowl game. But I think it starts with a big win against Purdue. Again, they just, he needs to start getting some big wins because they don't have any of them and they're under 500. And I, at last point, Purdue just can't run the ball. Like they're 2.4 yards per carry this year. So um, 
I, I think Nebraska probably controls this thing. And again, it's a number that really stood out to me and said, you just cannot play the favorite here. So or you have to play the favorite uh, with how big of the number it was. It struck me as odd off first glance. And so I'm going to go ahead and play the Huskers. Yeah, I like it. I had this as one of my leans. And after hearing you, I'm probably going to be on it as well. Well, there we go. Always good when my handicap can uh, convince you to tail. And uh, you, you're going to take us to Charlottesville, Virginia, for a play in a non-conference game as, as it is the Virginia Cavaliers taking on the Brigham Young. Excuse me, this game is in uh, uh, out at BYU in uh, Provo where the Virginia Cavaliers are on, on the road catching two and a half against uh, or may even be three. Uh, against BYU, total of 63 and a half. You like the Cavaliers. I do. I like the short short dog here on the road. Um, just real quick, uh, before I get too deep into this dive here on this handicap, uh, home favorites throughout the course of this season that have been a half point to a three-point favorite, what would you guess? Their win percentages against the spread. Against the spread. Half to three points or three and a half? To three. I'll say 51 and a half. 34.29%. They are 12 and 23. Wow. It's a trend that I've been following throughout the season, and it just just keeps going that way. I I mean, eventually it's going to move a bit, but... In these spots, it just seems like it's the odds makers' way of telling you they don't trust the home team here. Virginia's four and one against the spread their last five, so we love that. BYU, they're zero and two as home favorites. Um, they just haven't been able to get the job done in this type of spot. BYU just squeaked by Washington State last week in a similar spot, but it was on the road, and they faced Boise as six-point faves at home, and they lost outright to those guys. Last two times Virginia was in this spot, they won outright. They faced Miami as a three-and-a-half-point dog. They won outright by two. They also faced Louisville as a two-and-a-half-point dog. They won outright by one. Uh, they seem comfortable in this spot, and then I'm going to have to use the handicap that uh, my partner here, Greg Frank, has made famous in his handicapping processes. The total is talking to me here. It seems <laughs> to be indicative of – a UVA type of game, right? Like it's, I think it's around 64 or something like that. Most of their games have high totals in the sixties. BYU on the other hand, they've only had one other game this season over 60. So to see the total that high makes me feel like there's going to be a lot of points. And I don't think BYU is going to be able to keep up with this Virginia offense. So there you go. It's the Virginia Cavaliers for bill in a uh, later evening kickoff out there in Provo, Utah. We're going to go with a little crossfire action next as we're going to go back to an earlier game in the ACC. 12 noon, or excuse me, uh, 11 a.m. No, I think that's 12 noon. Uh, Yeah, 12 noon kickoff Eastern time. Pittsburgh welcoming in Miami. uh, And it's Pittsburgh laying nine, total of 61 I'm on the Miami side. Bill, you're on the Pittsburgh side. Tell me why you like the Panthers. Uh, 7-1 against the spread their last eight. Got to love that. Miami on the other side, 0-2 against the spread after they've won. They've won. They're coming off a win here against uh, NC State in a crazy game. And Pitt just seems like they're on a mission. And not just so much the team, but the whole team really rallying behind their quarterback who really hasn't been getting the Heisman talk that I feel like any other – uh, player within a, a top major conference would be getting. Like, if this is a guy in the SEC, we'd be hearing about him all the time. I hear way more about Matt Corral, who, don't get me wrong, he was my choice for Heisman at the best value pick. Um, but I, I still hear more about him than I do about about the kid Pickett at, at Pitt. And, and all he's done is win, 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 and, you know, keep the train rolling here. So I, I like Pitt in this one. Um I see them winning by at least 13, if not more. And like I said before, I was talking about the uh, the trends with these spreads. We have Pitt here in this spot, their home favorite by nine and a half. Uh, it's not as a large of a number, but uh, the favorites that have been at home between a touchdown and nine and a half points 
have been hitting at a 66.67% rate. Uh, they're 14-7 against the spread so far this year. I like Pitt. I like them to keep rolling. You're going to tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're getting a little expensive at, at nine points. Uh, a Pitt team that obviously, yeah, they're, they're on a mission, but on a mission where? Like, it's the ACC is maybe as irrelevant as the Pac-12 right now. And so I don't know what what there really is to be had for Pittsburgh here. I mean, they beat Clemson. And actually, that's in a way, like, I, I almost feel like it's it's a little I know that Clemson is not very good and Pittsburgh was favored in that game, but I almost feel like it could be a little letdown here for Pittsburgh where, you know, you take it on the chin as any ACC team would be. I'm actually curious now. I should have looked this up about how teams do this season, how they've done the week after they have beaten Clemson, because <laughs> what I'm getting at is like Clemson has just dominated this conference and ran right through everybody. And now Clemson hasn't been nearly as good. And all these teams are getting opportunities to beat them and having more success. How do they bounce back the week after? So I'm a little skeptical there from a situational standpoint on Pitt. Kenny Pickett, you mentioned to the quarterback, like maybe not getting as much love. I turned on SportsCenter today, and I think it was Kuiper has him as the number one quarterback for the draft in 2022. And I know it's not a very good quarterback class, but I think there's more and more, uh, you know, even our guy Alex, our producer, and who does the NFL pod with me through a Kenny Pickett shout out. And he doesn't really pay much attention to college football. So I think uh, he, he's starting to uh, be thrusted into the spotlight a little bit more. I don't know how Pitt deals with the prosperity as much. And then you look at uh, the Miami Hurricanes and uh, they've actually fared pretty well against the spread since a pretty bad loss against Michigan State back on September the 18th. They've covered three of their last four games. Uh, and one of them uh, was, uh, you know, close loss against North Carolina. And then uh, they had a real close loss against UVA in which they were short favorites. So they've been competitive in these games, even the ones that they've lost. Uh, they won outright as a short dog last week against NC State. I think nine points is too many. I'm on the Miami side. It's another team fighting for bowl eligibility. That's a big brand school that obviously has not been nearly living up to its billing the last decade, really. Uh, obviously, that seat's pretty warm for Manny Diaz. I think he's got to at least get to a bowl game to survive. So uh, I think that uh, the Hurricanes are live here going to Pittsburgh. Panthers on top of the world, a little expensive. Six and one against the spread. I'm not sure how they deal with the prosperity. So I like the Miami Hurricanes. And, hey, somebody's going to get it right, right? That's right. <laughs> Lastly, for me, and I'm sure you'll have some thoughts on it, I do want to go to the marquee game, at least from a TV window standpoint. might not be the marquee game from a watchability standpoint, but yeah. it's the Ohio State Buckeyes hosting the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, and Ohio State obviously is a huge favorite in this game of 18 and a half, 19 points. Uh, total in this game is sitting at 61, and I, I got 18 and a half. I'm going to lay it with Ohio State. I, I really, really, really don't know where things are at right now with Penn State. I mean, they have that ridiculous. First off, they, we talked about it on our NFL pad. The overtime thing, like that's that that was horrible. Like whoever thought that that was a good idea to have a two point conversion contest. I mean, I hate the shootout in hockey. I mean, it would be like having a home run derby in baseball to just end a game. Like I, I just can't believe that that's how you decide a, a football game. I kind of liked the 25 yard line and in and yeah. honestly, like they have to go for two in the third overtime and on anyway, after they score a touchdown. So I didn't see the problem with it, but anyway, you lose to Illinois. And if Penn state, if that was Penn state's first loss, I would have said, okay, you know, I, I, I don't know that beyond this because if you're undefeated and you lose the game to Illinois, like I said, I would have been like, all right, well, you screwed up against the fighting Illini, but you still only have one loss. And as we talked about, a one-loss Big Ten champion can absolutely make the playoff. But now Penn State has two losses. And now they're going to Columbus. And Ohio State's won eight of the last nine games against Penn State in this series. So 
it's an opponent that has manhandled you recently, and you're now out of the playoff picture. I mean, Penn State can run the table, then they're they won't make it. They're all the way down to I think 20th in the nation. So that in and of itself is enough to make me look long and hard at the Buckeyes, who you talked about Pitt maybe being on a mission. I think Ohio State really ever since that Oregon loss. I mean, they have just been running right through every single opponent in the Big Ten. And so, you know, it's certainly building towards, I I hope that Michigan is undefeated still. And I'd like to see Michigan beat Michigan State just because of how important, you know, we that Michigan-Ohio State game could be right after Thanksgiving. So that's where I feel like we're headed here in the Big Ten East. And you look at Penn State, here's the other thing. There's a quote from James Franklin that I I just, I saw this uh, on uh, this morning, actually, from his Wednesday press conference. And, of course, he's been rumored a lot with the USC yes, job, now getting linked to LSU, which is going to be open come the end of the year. And his quote was, I am fiercely loyal to Penn State to these players, to this staff, dot, dot, dot. But there's a lot of moving parts. If that's not a coach that has one foot out the door, yeah. I don't know what is. As didn't he say he's focused on Illinois? Yeah, I, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear what he was that, – that was a quote he said this week after the Illinois game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just – and, I, you know, whether it's – the luxurious L.A. lifestyle that he'd get in USC or going to the SEC, like he certainly seems like he is out. And I would not be surprised if he got either one of those jobs. I don't think he should. Like if I'm the AD at either one of those schools, oh, I would yeah. hire him. No way. But I, this does not look like a game in which Penn State is going to compete in. I'll just say that. So I'm laying it with Ohio State. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I may even you know, we'll see how things go. Uh, this is a night game. Maybe I'll look at some first half action too. Cause I, I just think the Buckeyes roll here. You have any thoughts on this game? I'm a hundred percent with you on that. They're going to roll. They're going <laughs> to, yeah, they're going to put the final, uh, nail in the coffin here. I think for James Franklin, 10 year at Penn state for all the reasons you said, he, he's definitely on his way out. Um, and I can't blame the Penn state fans for wanting to push him out. He's just <laughs> consistently underperformed. And I, my brother-in-law. Wait, he, like, can you explain, like, if he's consistently underperformed, why is he a huge candidate for these major, major jobs? Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk off air about that. I can't give out all my reasons <laughs> on air here. But my, my brother-in-law, he's a graduate. He's an alum. He, he's a huge Penn State backer, and I tell him all the time how it seems like. The best plays that Penn State have had offensively during James Franklin's tenure has been broken plays. Like it, it's he's got an athlete playing quarterback typically who's able to make guys miss, turn something sure out of nothing, and gets the job done that way. It's never like a a, a, a strictly X and O's type of thing from Franklin. Well, and, standpoint. and remember his pro style quarterback that everybody fawned over was Christian Hackenberg. Oh yeah. And how'd that go? <laughs> exactly. Where's he at? Is he, is he playing the XFL when they come back again? He um, is actually on the South Jersey high school football coaching staff, believe it or not. I no read that. Way. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. How the mighty have fallen. And just like him, James Franklin, well, I, I guess he might actually get a, uh, a bump in pay and, like you said, a, a nicer area to live in <clears throat> come the end of this year. But, yeah, I agree. I think Ohio State just absolutely thumps them. <laughs> and I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate either to play if you can get the team total for Penn State. Uh, I'm trying to find it right now. I would take the under whatever it is for the team total on Penn State. I, I, I'm with you. Ohio State should just throttle them from, from first snap on. They should just absolutely demolish this team. There he is. He's Bill Christie, Lucha Larry on Gambling Twitter, at Larry's Vox 2. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. Follow the podcast. Alex Uplinger, our producer and jack of all trades, managing that Twitter account at full underscore slate underscore pod. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire. 
Gambling Podcast. Bill, always fun, my guy. I'm sure we'll do at least one or two of these again in November. Hey, we're less than two weeks out from college basketball. So exactly. We got that right around the corner. Good talking to you, Greg. Thanks for having me on again. You bet. Again, this has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy the pigskin. Enjoy the World Series. Enjoy the trick-or-treating and the drinking and whatever else you got going on for Halloween. And, of course, please play responsibly.